Welcome to the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast. This Ontario-generated podcast is here to talk outdoor living, fishing, and hunting. Give all kinds of geeky tech talks and hunting tips with things that have worked for us. We all have a story to tell, and here's ours. Welcome back, everyone. Cam here with a special guest, something new, something uh, relative to hunting season coming just a few days away. So on the line with me, I got Paul from Steiny Gear. Did I say it right this time? Steiny Gear. Steiny Gear. I know, we just went over that. But anyway, Paul, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So, I mean... uh, Along with everybody else, I'm kind of on the craze of saddle hunting. So I've, I've been a versatile um, mobile hunter for the past probably three years. I've been carrying in and out a steel stand, um, small but lightweight, with my climbing sticks. And just the, the clanging and the clunkiness um, had me in a, kind of a friend of a friend's saddle and... Once I had found out about your company and what that saddle felt like, I thought, well, this is a no-brainer, you know, along with seeing lots of uh, stuff on the socials pages and the versatility to having a saddle and being a saddle hunter. How did you come about starting a saddle company business and kind of what drove you in that instance? Um, So during COVID... Um, I used to work for a company in concerts and I had a lot of free time on my hand because we all know COVID shut a lot of those big public events down. So I was spending a lot of time up in Barrie and Barrie's littered with a lot of county forests and I spent a lot of time out there hunting and I was sitting on the ground and then I came about seeing, you know, YouTube videos I was a big fan of watching and they came across saddle hunting and I decided to get one. And it was during the middle of hunting season. It took too long, so I'm still a DIY guy. And I bought a crappy, you know, forty dollar rock climbing harness, and I made a sling. And I used to rock climb, so I had some knowledge with knots and how to be safe. And I, I had some sticks, and I went to go try it out. It, it was fun. It was a little uncomfortable. And when I got my first, you know, saddle, it was an end platform. It was a big game changer. But uh, I noticed that it wasn't fully comfortable for me. So instead of uh, buying another one, I decided to make one. And I, used, I was following, uh, in the States, a lot of guys like to post their stuff. And no one really does it up here. It's kind of weird. So I posted on a few pages on Facebook. And uh, a lot of people wanted one. So I was like, oh, wow. People want these things. And I have to start a business. So... I can sell them and it kind of just snowballed from there and uh, the demand's kind of growing slowly and it's awesome because I believe it's not a gimmick and uh, the proof is in the pudding because I've been very successful on property that didn't even scout, um, have no knowledge about, you know, it's just so lightweight and mobile. It's, it's amazing. I could walk 2K into the bush and post up in any tree I want without making any noise and not dragging it. A self-climber or a tree stand. So I, I got a buddy that, uh, you know, every time we're sitting around having a pint, it's just like, I just, he says, I got all these good ideas. And when he listens to this, he knows, he knows I'm going to be talking about them. But we always come up with these good ideas that we never put into play. Was there some skepticism about, you know, making your own saddles before it kicked off? No, because I, I just, I like to create things. 
I like to make things. If I see someone that can do it, I know I can do it, right? And it's not, you know, some magical solution this person has. It's just, you know, do a bit of research and uh, look into it. Make sure you're covering the bases on safety and uh, and just give it a go. It, it ain't cheap to do one saddle when you're making one for yourself, but I think it's a little bit of gratification making your own stuff, right? Like we all like to build things. You know, how many people like to do their own landscape or build a table for themselves or whatever. It, it was just that when other people asked for them, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, there was interest. It's like someone wants what I make. And it's flattering, right? Yeah. So when I first started, I announced that I started business. I'm selling these. Like, right away, I had, like, 50 people ask for a saddle place in order. And I was, like, overwhelmed. It was, like, such a great feeling. Yeah. You know? So I just like, I like doing DIY stuff. You know, there's certain things I'll be lazy on and I'll just buy it. And there's other things I'm like, I want to make that. So, and that's just what happened to Saddle. How can you, um, I, I don't want to say persuade because I don't want to, uh, I don't want it just to seem like it, it. Saddle is the only method to me now. It's, I would say it's probably the best method. But what could you say to someone, you know, and, and me and you were talking before I even purchased one of your saddles. What could you say to someone that's like, you know, I want to be more mobile, a little more versatile. What kind of benefits are you getting from the saddle versus, you know, say um, one of those cast aluminum stands, like a small cast aluminum stand? Okay, so a little background. I live in Toronto, downtown Toronto, in a condo, and I don't own property. Where am I supposed to store my hunting gear? So right there for anyone who has that same situation, get into saddle hunting. It takes up no space. It's lice weight. The benefit of saddle hunting is um, when you have property, you end up buying a tree stand, maybe another one. I own two tree stands on a buddy's property. I got rid of one of them. He's playing with the other. You, you just you put them up everywhere, and then every time you're up there and you get no action, you see something going on somewhere else, you're like, oh, i got to move this thing, but i got to wait till next season. Or you got to maintain it. Or there's always something. And then you end up buying more, so you cover all the bases on your property. Like, I really wanted to get a wolf tree stand. I think it's a wolf, right? Lone wolf, yep. Lone wolf. Because I watched a lot of bow hunter die. And they seem super light and great for that type of purpose. But they're expensive up here. You want to get them shipped here. You know, and as time went on, I bought some cheap tree stands. But when I saw this, I was like, this is going to make me be able to walk anywhere in the bush. The wind changes. I could climb down. I could move somewhere else. I'm always going to be tied in and safe. Because one of my big pet peeves, and my friends do this, and I always try to punch them when they bring it up, <laughs> uh, is not wearing a harness in a tree stand or using a self-climber and how dodgy those things are. Um, that's a different conversation. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into it. Don't worry. All right. That's later on. Then. Um, let's just say to convince someone to do this is you'll never buy a tree stand again. You can go anywhere you want and pretty much climb almost any tree in the woods. Um, self climbers, there's branches. You can't get past them. Saddle hunting, you can't, and you can still be tied in and safe. And we'll get into that details if you want to later. Yep. Um, tree stands you always gotta try to maintain them a little bit or you bring them in there even putting them up it's still dangerous because you're not tied in and if you hunt public land you can't leave and a lot of people do as a tree stand up there year round you gotta take them down or it's a chance of someone stealing them or whatever 
Yeah, um, and actually on that note on on public land hunting, you're actually not supposed to fasten into the tree like you can fasten your you know strap sticks around the tree but even the pegs climbing pegs you're technically not supposed to be using on public land yes and the big argument is if a tree falls in the woods does it make a sound yeah (laughs) what you know what exactly i I could tell you this much one of the properties i like to hunt in very every time i see a tree stand i mark it on my phone so i know what what's going on around me and there's probably like 20 permanent stands i saw in that woods either made of wood or metal and they're all permanent and it's funny because exactly you said it's illegal to leave permanent stands on public land like that yep you can take them down you can put up put a uh, chain around it but you have to take it down so um back to uh a, a few methods for tree stands Um, this has definitely come up in multiple conversations, um, from the time that I've purchased my saddle, um, to our conversation now is safety. Um, how is this more safe than saddle hunting? You know, like I'm tied in when I'm in my tree stand, I want to hear from your standpoint, the safety behind the saddle hunting. From the moment you leave the ground, you're tied in. So look at yourself as you're climbing a tree as. Uh, a telephone repair guy or a lumberjack. You have a lineman's belt. As you're climbing, you're moving that lineman's belt back up, right? And that's on your harness holding you. So if you'd slip and you would come down, yes, there is a risk of a little bit of, I guess, a road rash, you know, you lose a chiclet, but you're not going to be hurting yourself by hitting the ground backwards, falling out, say, with climbing a tree stand without a safety harness or without uh, a life rope. Climber, those things get out. You go down, like you're not even tied in. Like, how do you tie it in? Do you go? I, I like I've seen guys use it. Do you like go up a little bit and then move your tether up and then go up a little bit, and move your tether up? No one does that, right? Right. Um, so right there, you're tied in. Then when you get to the top, you have another rope that ties into you. And then once you're hooked in to a bridge, and if you want the ratings on a saddle and everything, I can tell you because it's it's incredible. Um, and then from there, you're not falling. The most you're falling is like a pendulum. You're just swinging into the tree, maybe a half a foot because you're not far off from your tether to your hookup point. And even if a stick or a platform kicks out, you keep them within a range of yourself that you could always adjust them. Like nothing is going anywhere. You won't be stranded up there. You're sitting in a seat. People don't realize how dangerous uh, a tree harness is like a safety harness. Yep. They think, oh, it's going to catch me, hit the ground. Yeah, it has a bungee cord that catches you. But after that, if you get a cheap one, some of them don't come with like the, the relief rope that comes with it. I can't remember exactly what it's called. But it's a continuous loop that you would like tie into your carabiner and you'll be able to step into because what people don't know and they don't tell you this is there's two loops that go around your legs. Those straps will cut off the circulation on your artery, your major artery going up your leg. You can die in a tree yeah you know what i wish i had um they they teach that a lot in our a lot of our safety courses for for work and working in the plants because obviously fall arrest is huge um working at elevated heights um and there is a there is a it's a very short duration that you do lose the circulation to your legs so if someone does know i'd be happy to uh receive that message or i can try and dig that up but i do not have that right now but it is a very short time 
Now, now you, you might slightly run that risk with a saddle if you really slip through it, but it's the way it's designed, you're kind of in a seat. You're almost in a swing, right? Yep. Um, if you do run into that, I kind of make my saddles that those little hooks there are a hybrid of plastic and aluminum. And they have a rating of 70 pounds each, I believe. So you can still kind of pop them out. And I'd rather brace myself for a straight fall from that if I ever happen to the ground than you know, falling backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Or being trapped up there. Mm-hmm. But also, my saddle, the way it's designed, and you know this, can you see yourself slipping through it? No, I cannot. Right? <laughs> it, it, no, if you think, if you want to break it down a little bit, if you did say your waist belt came off and you went through a bit, your arms will prevent you from going any further because you're going to get wedged in there, right? Yeah. But even then, to slide through, you're, you're in a seat, yep. right? You're almost like in a bucket seat, like in a hammock. Yep. So where are you really going to go? Right? And, yeah, and that's another major thing. It's not a safety harness, a saddle. Don't use it to think that you can fall two or three feet. You will get hurt. And I've seen some videos of people trying to say, oh, this thing could hold a dummy from falling out of a tree, and they'll push this dummy. And yes, it won't break. It's strong. Like my saddle, when I had it tested, it showed a brake strength first from the main bridge, um, 10,000 pounds. Then it went to 6,000 pounds. Um, and then it went to for the linemen's, I think, 1,800 pounds. So it's strong. Yeah, but absolutely. the thing is, if you fall three or four feet on a static rope without any flex in a saddle or any kind of device like that, you have a chance of really damaging your back and snapping it. You know, like, I could be wrong, but you will hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So, it is very safe because it's a support harness. Now, what could you say to the argument, um, like, your, your tether, which then is attached to your bridge? Um, yep. Say one of those devices gives out. What is, I guess, um, and I just want to, you know, reiterate this for other folks. The likelihood of one of those devices failing or, say, your Pressic knot also failing, slipping. What's the likelihood of that? Yeah. So is there a the likelihood? It's all design. It's all like, like backups, right? You always have backups. In rock climbing, we're always taught, taught to have your knots nice and neat so they do their job. Um, we're using specific knots for those reasons, like proper friction knots. Those Pressic knots, man, you're not going anywhere. Um, also, for the slippage part of it, if something does happen with slippage, you always have a stopper knot on your rope on all peg ends. I've always stressed that in my book. I sent an email to someone, you know, how to do the knots because you have to learn your knots. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to do the knots for you. Um, it's like when I go to a mountain climb and buy rope for rock climbing, they're not going to make them for me. You have to learn this stuff because only, only you are going to keep yourself safe, right? Um, but I'll teach you and I'll give you a lot of information. I love helping people. Um, but stopper knot will help prevent those knots from slipping, you know, and just take proper precaution with your ropes uh, and your gear. If you see that it's damaged, uh, ask, uh, or don't use it and replace it. You know, with rope, people think it's like one solid piece, but it's not. It's a, it's a core covered by a sheath. So yeah. if your sheath frays up a bit, that's fine. But if you're feeling lumps in your rope or little bumps or knots, get rid of that rope because a strand or two of that core it probably popped right yeah so the core if you ever cut open the rope it, it looks frayed but if you actually take your time and take it apart it's i think it's a lot of braided sections 
of nylon. Yeah, and I was asking you that as well about my uh, about my rope, and that's something that I did not know because uh, this this is very new to me. So definitely, yeah. if you purchase a a saddle from Paul, don't be uh, afraid to ask questions because there are answers. Yeah, ask as many questions as you want if you reach out to me. Like I said, I'm more than happy to help. Um, there's no dumb questions. No, I, absolutely. I hate when people say that, and and then they rip into people, you know. And I, yep. I saw that on my buddies. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, could go for a lot of yeah. things. I said, I think that can go for a lot of things, a lot of uh, social discussions and such. Yeah, save it for your buddies and make fun of, but not people you don't know. Right? <laughs> so I want to, uh, I want to dive into kind of differentiating between uh, saddles. Obviously, you've tried other saddles and. Um, you know, talk a bit about the, the pleated saddle that you offer and, you know, the benefits and what we can see in other saddles as well. Um, the way I, I made a pleated saddle because I just like that expandable feature. So when you want to lean back or in a seated position, you have that hammock feel. But when you're kind of standing up and doing leaning back on like a, a 15 degree, you can kind of compress or leave it open, but it just gives you a little more play. If that makes sense, and it kind of comp- like it kind of shrinks down. Yeah. So it's not this big baggy thing. Um, size is a big thing with saddles. What I did instead of what a lot of the other companies do, and I understand why they do it, is with a person who has like what was your size again? And uh, is it easier to describe the dead play? Uh, thir- thirty-two jean size. Okay, so from that, you would measure yourself and have a saddle measure to just in front of your hip bones like your your pant seam just in front of that <clears throat> now if you're you'd be good for any saddles that are larger than that but if you go smaller it's not going to feel comfortable you're starting to get hip pinch so for example when you see a size that says small medium large and those sizes have three four pant sizes in them if you're on the upper size of that pant size i would go up a size if you get it from another company with me, you just tell me your pant size. I make them to a couple inches bigger than a fitted size. So this way, early season, you're going to be comfortable. Late season, you're going to have extra room for clothing. Yep. So you're always comfortable, right? And it's nicer to be on the bigger side than the smaller. If you go too big, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, like, it's like a hammock, right? It's yep. just going to be big and baggy. That's all. Um, walking into the tree stand, you can or sorry, to your hunt spot, you can. I, I found that when I was doing that, I was always pulling it up. It was just like your bag's pushing it down a lot when you're carrying your backpack. So I just get dressed at the tree. It takes two minutes to get put it on. Yeah. Even in the dark. Um, just just comfort is the biggest thing. Just whatever you do get, just make sure the sizing is appropriate for you. That's so- it. Like, I'm not saying you have to buy for me. I prefer you do. <laughs> <laughs> I will highly recommend that you do. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. What do you do in the instance like a, a one size fits all? Because uh, I know I've seen it, and you certainly know that it's out there. Um, you know, that's what made me start this. Right. You know, I had a saddle that was suggested. It was uh, one size fits most, like within ten sizes. And after like three hours or so, I started feeling hip pinches, and I was like, "This is not comfortable. Did I make a mistake? Should I have gotten something else?" 
And I was like, you know what? Why don't you just make one? You're going to spend just as much money, you know, and you like doing this. So kind of evolved into what I, what's going on right now, skinny gear, right? What I think I'm uh, even amazed in is, is your hunting and kind of the background and your location. Um, so <laughs> well, it just, you know, I wanted to ask it and we were talking about it just before we hit the record button and, you know, t- tell us a little bit about that lifestyle as well. Um, I grew up doing a lot of things in the outdoors. Like I've always family had cottages. I spent a lot of summers up, up north, um, camp, everything. I was introduced to at a very young age. So it just clicked. And whenever I can get away, I try to, you know, I was part of the outdoors club in high school. You know, that was awesome. Being you know, a teenager in high school, get to, get to go on canoeing trips and whitewater canoeing, like amazing. Uh, I got into hunting maybe 15 years ago. And part of it was because I was a big fisherman. Um, was we were supposed to do a family, another family trip up, up way up north to go for moose. So I got a gun, got excited and it kind of backfired and didn't happen. So a buddy, and, and this is kind of cool for anyone. This is something I would suggest if you're going to get into hunting. Uh, my buddy, bless my chops to like get a shotgun and go duck hunting with them. I think the best introduction to hunting for any new beginner is bird or small game. Cause you want to, you want to bring that excitement into the sport to a person and big game hunting should be the next step because you can sit there forever and be bored out of your mind if you don't appreciate it and not see anything. And that could really discourage a new hunter in my opinion. Like I'm glad I went down that route. Mm-hmm. So whenever I can get away, I try to, um, there's a bubble obviously around downtown Toronto where, you know, certain things I can't do. Um, fishing wise, I can do it anywhere. I, I've caught and fish monster, smallmouth bass and, big pike right at ontario place and believe it or not it's an excellent fishery down the whole lake shore um huge fish you guys pull in monster monster pike giant carp you know okay just do a little bit of research and just go have fun that's it even center island it's got some big fish um for hunting wise you just have to get out to city limits and just do your research um there's a lot a lot of county forests from everywhere in southern Ontario, and I'm sure up west is further north you go, is it becomes crown land. So do a little bit of due diligence and find your county forest information and, and look, and then go for a walk and scout. Tell your significant other, like, let's take the dog for a walk, but really don't tell your scouting property. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's it. That's kind of like how I, I just did it. You know, I, I've had friends who hunted. I was fortunate enough to hunt with them or on their property. And then, you know, as time went on, I was fortunate enough to get access to private property as well. You know, it, it's tough. Um, knock on doors, chance. If you see someone, you know, tilling a field, farmers are friendly. Just just ask. You know, um, pretty much it. Whenever I can get away. Um, back to, uh, where did I go there? I think uh, I got a little off topic on that. but No, no, that, that that's fine because it's uh, like, there's cornfields at the end of my road and then you go a, a three streets over and it's, it's just, there's no township, there's no city, it's all farm fields. So, um, it, it's, it's very different. I try to stay far away from Toronto as possible because I, I just, it's, it's a weird city. It's, there's way too much going on for me and I just, I don't like that. Um, yeah. so for you to have, you know, 
we, we could say we have so many of the same things in common and live in two totally vast places. Like, you know, it, it's cool to kind of feed off of each other and, and really hear about one's one story because it's, it's really so different. It is. And, and it's like, I'm very cautious with how I talk about it in this city. It, it, it bugs me. You know, it happens. It's happened to friends of mine. Um, like I grew up in North York and I, and I have for the past 20 years lived in downtown, but everyone has an opinion down here and everyone thinks they're right and you're wrong. And it's like, I don't come to your work and bother you. So why are you coming to bother me doing my thing? Yeah. You know? Um, so it, it's just, I try to be discreet because, uh, the visuals are not great. We as hunters know that, you know, how does, how can you justify banning all this military style guns? You know, when you're a legal gun owner, you've taken a course. You know, we're not the problem. You know, so um, I've had my buddy who runs Tufa, who is a Toronto Urban Fishing Ambassador, and he tries to protect everyone's rights to be able to fish in downtown Toronto. And he gets bothered by the Bird Society or the animal activists from time to time, and I have to be careful for that. You know, you just. It is. It doesn't happen often. Like I'm lucky. I haven't had a confrontation like that yet, because I would speak my mind, and it might not go well. <laughs> but uh, like I had a buddy who, you you all probably know this. Uh, he owns. He's one of the owners of Antler, and he got attacked by activists. And more recent, that same group, that person who threw that on, attacked a couple guys fishing in High Park, took the fish out of the bucket. And rooted back in the water like that's so illegal wow right and to get off topic is like we'll as hunters and fishermen always get pinched for maybe not doing something right but those people who interfere with us which is highly illegal never get charged you know and it's like okay well if you're going to justify it that way why can't i break into someone's house and get away with it you know like yeah oh i i totally agree do you happen to uh where did that leave off with uh antler loved it <laughs> he, he, he's he's still going though right oh yeah yeah thanks for the exposure yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i had i had taken it and you know how i was hoping it would go but yeah. in today's day care. and age you really don't care. know if you watch the video like we, we all texted him being like awesome dude i'm like <laughs> let me know if there's a if there's a seating available so i could come by and like cause some problems outside <laughs> <laughs> Set up, set, do a saddle setup in uh, like a telephone post nearby or something. Yeah, like I was just, uh, duck hunting with him uh, this past weekend, and, and I brought up the whole fishing thing, and he cut me off, going, "Yeah, it's the same girl that protested in front of my place." I'm like, "Yeah, man." That's he's wild. Like, they, should, they should charge her. I'm like, well, they're trying to get a hold of the guys so they can, because only the guys can charge them, right? So keep that in mind. Someone Interesting. You, you have to do the due diligence to get them charged. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I don't have to uh, do any of that anytime soon. No, and, and that's just it. Like, even when I talked to some of the locals where I was hunting um, on a new property, um, they're even, like, avoid certain places because of certain, like, you know, certain people don't frown upon it to, like, to cause problems. But it's like, I'm not doing anything illegal. Yeah. Yep. Right? Um, when you got into making saddles, have you done much sewing work prior? Uh, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I can I can sew like I, I do repairs on my own things, but like for me to yeah, needle and thread, everyone knows how to pull off. Um, to be honest, in 
the beginning, I was not really talking about that because people think you need to have this qualification to do anything. And it's like, no, it's just about do your due diligence, do your research, do the math, get the thing tested. Mm-hmm. If it's tested and it works, it's fine. Yep. Okay. Um, everything I use is like high standards. The thread I'm using is super strong. I prefer to use bonded nylon instead of polyester because bonded, the argument is, well, it's not UV resistant, but it's not patio furniture. The thing I like about bonded nylon is it allows for stretch. So I don't, I think it's better that when you're sitting in a harness with weight, you're, you're those, that, that thread is stretching a little bit opposed to being stiff and possibly popping, even though the thread I'm using is super, super strong. Um, they have break strengths of stuff I use for my gear. I think it's anywhere from nine pounds to 20 pounds. And more for my saddle, I think is in the, I like to say 12 to 15 pound mark. Now that is, oh my God, that's so dangerous, but it's not because what people don't know is there's a math, mathematical equation and how to do break strength for thread and how to get proper, um, proper number break strength. I just don't want to give out all this information. No, no. Um, to what you want to achieve per inch. Yep. So, you know, if I had these things tested and I was aiming for, you know, I just want to aim for a couple thousand pounds of break strength with my saddle and it broke at 10,000 pounds and the thread didn't fail. Clearly I did something right. That's right. Is right. And I, in the beginning I had to really, really like tell people if they asked, cause I didn't want to hide anything. Um, all the details, to make them feel better, feel yeah. comfortable, because it is. It's a new thing. Um, everybody's skeptical, man. You are skeptical, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's like no one sees us at a store and be like, can I sit in that? But once when someone does, they're like, oh, my God, that's so comfortable. And, like, you hang out of a tree like this? I'm like, yeah, I go up 25 feet, and you dance around. Yeah. And I was scared at first, too, and I had that rock climbing experience. You know, it's just like you're always – the thing is we always put our – we're always worried about the gear. And you have to get past that and trust the gear. I don't want to injure anybody, let alone have a lawsuit. So I'm going to do my due diligence to make sure you're going to be safe. Yeah, I mean, I I would say, you know, I'm not the one making the saddles either. But, um, you know, it's good that you can say it because what's the difference whether you're making saddles or tree stands? Um, you know, I, I do have a machinist friend who would be more than capable to use his machines and his equipment to make his own tree stands and they would probably be very well put together tree stands, you know, probably better than some of the ones we do see TSC Canadian tire and such. But to me that that's no different. As long as you got the know-how and you know, the right resources and tools at your hands to do it, there, there's nothing stopping you really. Listen, just do a bit of research. You know, if you, if you put it at a time, you can, it's like the guy doesn't, the guy's not born to be a doctor. He, he goes to school and he learns, right? So. Yeah educate yourself um let's talk about some of the products you offer then um obviously you have individual parts you do have some offer some bundles which is pretty cool those are you know very cost effective um so take me through a bit of your gear list uh for for the products that you offer okay well i'm gonna have to bring up my website and look at my product list because i kind of forget from time to time but i have my board my whiteboard that i keep it all up there as well well there's a few Uh, on there so Sorry? There's a, there's definitely a few on there, so no worries. Yeah, so 
I, I started off with just a saddle and then I kind of expanded slowly into other things because like everybody else, you know, I like to get things at the best value. So when I first started, I was always on Amazon. It was always this. Where can I get something cheaper? Sometimes it's not always the best because uh, you get, you know, you get what you pay for, right? Absolutely. So that being said, um, I started to evolve. Um, the bundles is, I recommend it to anyone saddle hunting. Get a bundle covers most of the bases for what you're going to do and on top of that you would have to buy a few other little gadgets devices to make your thing better your system and a platform and a tree stand sorry a platform and climbing sticks or if you go the other route which is one sticking um it's a combo deal right and there's a lot of great videos you can look at just to uh see the difference I always uh, try to tell people there's this one video on there. A guy does a comparison side by side to show you the effort and the time it gets up a tree and down a tree. Uh, just go Google, you know, um, multi-stick climbing versus one-stick climbing, and you'll see the comparison video on YouTube. And uh, it's pretty interesting to just that show you because a lot of people think it's quicker between one over the other, and I think it's about the same, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting off topic there a little bit. That's okay. Um, I, I'll get you afterwards to um, maybe if you don't mind, just looking that up. Send me the link, and I'll I'll also post that just for uh, some reiteration for people. Yeah, absolutely. When we're when we're done talking, yes, definitely, I'll send that to you. Cool. Um, so from there, like obviously, like then I got into adding rope packages because I was just you know telling people what to get for rope, right? And you know people just don't want to always like buy from a bunch of different places, so I got that going. Uh, the gear daisy chain that is a very useful tool um it wraps around the top of the tree where you're hunting as high as you can reach roughly and you would hang your backpack your bow your gun um oh yeah and by the way you, you can gun hunt with a tree saddle it's not just for bow hunting yeah i'm hoping to see um bryce who got me into this he has one of your saddles he is going up north on a moose hunt here in a week and nice. if he does, it's a rifle moose hunt. If he happens to bag a moose, I think he's going to be the first guy in Ontario, maybe even Canada, to shoot a moose uh, with a gun out of a saddle. Uh, Unless it's been done, but I don't know. I think it's done. No <laughs> way. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I, I to talk to this guy. Yeah, it's been about a year, and so it's been, like, kind of big. Um, I know a guy who owns a saddle of mine. He got a moose, I think, with a bow. But I had another customer of mine send me a picture last year. He got his, uh, he got a, a bear with a rifle. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, so it, it's 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 doable. You know, you either if you want bring one of those screw in uh, bow hangers and use that as a rest, or you could use your arm, just grab the tree and just rest it on your arm, or you could use your tether. Well, I was thinking about that because come the gun hunt, and and again, just off topic here, but um, like you can definitely use the tree in so many instances for you know a, a more steady shot with your bow, as well as like that rest. Like when you're out at a gun range and you get to, it's not quite to the same standard, but when you're using a lead sled, um, like you can use that tree to perch up against. And I was trying it in my backyard with the pellet gun and. There is definitely some comfort there. I, I think there's a lot of benefits to that. Yeah, and a lot of people get, like, really, uh, like, listen, there's nothing wrong with practicing, but they get a really concerned, oh, I want to make sure I get this before I go out hunting. I started this in the middle of November. I yep. first got into it. Yep. I never practiced shooting out of it, to be honest. Um, 
you're really well planted when you're up there. You're on a rope, and you're not really swinging around because your feet are planted on a platform. And even if you have to dance around the tree, you at first it's a little weird because it's kind of like you're a tetherball, but after a couple sits, you'll start to get that comfortable feeling and start moving off the platform and trusting a rope. And you'll start to use a tree with your feet or your knees or your calves and wrap your legs around that in order to stabilize yourself uh, with the platform. Yep. So you always have a couple points of contact that will keep you solid. And, and another big feature I probably should have said earlier, you almost have about, let's say, three quarters of a strong side and about a quarter of a weak side when you're up there. Yep. So you can twist around on that tether and shoot behind you. You can dance around all on your strong side, almost to your weak side. And the weak side, you have to like get used to like changing your body to shoot on that side. So I always suggest to people when they find a tree, pre-plan how they're going to set up everything. So that being said, if you're in this one tree that's going to cover 360 degree shot, you never know when they're going to come. Well, just think about where the, the strong side is. If you have a strong side and you can see game trails, Put your strong side, is your sorry your platform parallel to that, that strong side, mm-hmm. and then have your sticks offset from that because I like to climb up to my platform uh, from like the left to the right. Yeah. Sorry, from the right to the left. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I always like to have my platform about six inches above my top stick, so if my platform is not completely solid or it's a little wavy or whatever, I could always step down to my stick and refix it. I did find that the other day as well. Uh, I, I go from the left to the right with my sticks to platform personally. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like for an instance, when I tried to get around the tree a certain way, it was a little uncomfortable. I felt leaning. So I just put my left foot out, not, yeah, four, six inches down onto the stick. And it was like, okay, well, that's handy. Yeah. And, that, and that's another thing. If you, if you want to put it even closer, right, and you want to put a level, there's another step for you on the other side of the tree, right? Yep. So, like what you just did, right? But it, it's just those uh, extra little safety precautions that if something goes airy, like awry, you're, you like, you you can just recover. Yep. Right. Um, just trust your rope, man. Trust the gear. Yeah. So back 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 to your gear. Uh, gear. So, we we got into ropes there quickly. Yeah. So I have the ropes, and in the ropes, uh, I have two packages. I have one that's for the multi-stick climbing, so you get two 10-foot pieces in two different diameters. Because on the market, I always suggest getting a locking device. There's two locking devices that I like, and one has a rope rating of 10 mil, and the other one has a rope rating of 9 mil. And there's two different price points to them. So I don't want the customer to buy the wrong one. I want them to have that option to use either or, right? Um, when it comes to the one-stick one, and I should change the wording on that because I kind of use a combination of one-stick like rope package with my multi-stick climbing it's basically a 35 foot rappel rope and i like to rappel down it's just in the dark it's easy i you know put the rope around the tree i hook it up to my mad rock safeguard and i'm gonna i I always get this mixed up but i believe it's the safeguard make sure it's the springless one because it allows for no creepage like no slippage sorry um and it's a sweet little device Take your time. If you panic, let go. These devices, people forget, are supposed to be only work when you don't touch them. If you touch them and open them up, you're going to fall. So you have to just take your time with things. And even with the other two devices, the locking devices, when you adjust them, don't adjust them under load. 
I always tell people to grab the tree, lean into it, open up your device, and then kind of hold the tree, but push your body out to, like, get slack line out. Then close it, and then, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it, it's, let, let them do their job. Because if you put your hand near there and you get pinched, it can leave the device open, and you can slide. Now, for the multi-stick rope, you'll have a stop or not, and you can always tie a knot, you know, a foot underneath your device just as a backup. Um, but on that 35-foot rope one, it's a big drop if you don't tie in a knot, right? So, yep. like, just be careful. Um, going down, I, I sell climbing-aiders. You can turn a 20-inch stick into a 52-inch stick with a climbing-aider or more. So I'd sub, I sell them in two or three steps. Um, a rope pouch that helps keep your, your rappel rope, your 35 rope, all together. Um, back strap really want to be lazy up there and it's nice you might get mad at me because it will help you sleep like you're in a lawn chair <laughs> and, and they're great for naps <laughs> i would say um I, ha- I haven't spent any time in uh other saddles aside from trying them on in a store uh the hawk one particularly uh so i haven't really hung from any other ones but uh one thing i do like that you offer that nobody else seems to is the pleated method where you, you do have that extra, you know, you, you can extend that a little bit and it is almost more of like a hammock. Um, so I've been kind of arguing with some guys that are like, Oh, you need to get a backstrap. You need to get a backstrap. And it's like, you well, don't. I don't know if you do. Cause one, I haven't used one, but I can tell you, I have adjustability in my saddle and I think that right now is enough. We'll see what it's like at like the six hour mark, but you got to check yeah. this guy out to know what the pleated saddles are about. So I, I use it from time to time, and I don't use it. If I'm really exhausted, I might use it because I know I'm going to sleep um, and then scare myself because you forget where you are. Um, <laughs> and then you giggle afterwards. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm tied into a tree. Yeah. Um, they they kind of I, – I, I like to use it underneath your armpit area. So it's the upper back. Just when you lean back, you have something to lean on. Okay? Right. And then you're in a seated position, so you're technically in a lawn chair in a hammock in the sky. Um, some other companies do make pleated saddles and there's a couple companies that made a two piece saddle. Uh, I tried to do one of those when I first started this and I was like, you know, I just start with one saddle and people, it was a little conversation I had with someone else. So I was like, when you come down with the next saddle, well, I'm working on one with a lighter material. It, it's a little bit lighter, but it's just, it's just a lot more breathable. Maybe it's like, I use Cordura. And yep. this other one I'm using is like a ripstop cotton blend, so it's 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 nice, it's strong, and I'm gonna be testing it out again. And I've had a buddy test it out. Um, if it's worth it, I will try to mass produce them myself um, to order. I guess. Sorry, I should take that back. I don't really mass produce a lot of things. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's I, I might get back into trying to make a two piece saddle. I just look at it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, the saddle works. It's comfortable. It doesn't need a lot of bells and whistles because you're up there hanging out, right? I'm actually, I at, I'm a huge fan of your of the Cordura for sure. Um, for yeah. a, a lot of people, if if you don't know what the Cordura is, it's if you own any really high end pack, uh, Kuyu Sitka, uh, Mystery Ranch, even a lot of uh, you know duffel bags. Yes, yeah, exactly any duffel, duffel bags. Bag and it's one it's it can be highly waterproof and two it is very durable yeah and, and i find that it distributes the weight a little nicer in the saddle to add the extra comfort 
Yep. Whereas when I when I tried doing a, a thin rip stop, a lot of the weight was on the actual straps, right? Yep. Because um, that's that hammock material, the tent material. Um, then when I got this other stuff, it was a lot easier to sew with, but it was also kind of balanced out the weight a little bit better. So once I could find that balance of both, because to me, comfort is important. You're going to sit up there all day. And you don't want the thing to be super heavy, so I try to go lightweight with, uh, you know, I use metal parts where it counts. Uh, like, like I said, the G-hooks are the hybrid. I, I don't want to add, you know, those Raptor buckles, like uh, certain saddles, to the leg straps. You're just adding more weight. You know, some guys ask me, and I'm like, yeah, I can do it for you. I, I, it's going to cost you a lot more, um, but you're adding more weight and more, more metal. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, back to the back strap. So the back strap is nice. Don't get mad at me if you miss your gear because you fell asleep. <laughs> One of the game changers, and I'm sure whoever's watched The Hunting Public, and this is where I got it from, is the milkweed pouch. Yep. Maybe someone has been, like, people have been saying, I've been doing this for years. I didn't know about it. It's a very common thing that we overlooked. I think milkweed or something similar to it, a fluff, is your best wind checker out there. Get rid of the powder. The powder goes up, it goes down, it's gone. Um, I'll throw milkweed in the air. I'll watch it go 10 feet straight with the wind, and then all of a sudden it's going to the left for 20 feet, and then it goes straight again for another 10. And then you wonder why the deer busted you, you know, 50 yards to your left that's a very good point supposed to be go straight right very good point yeah so that thing is pretty sweet and i toss those in for free when you buy a saddle um what else then i added a couple new things i uh a buddy asked me to make field quivers i was not aware of these and i think they're awesome so i kind of brainstormed came up with an idea to make one and he tested it out he liked it got two pouches to it a big one and a detachable smaller one and slots with uh that can be used to angle your arrows either forward or backwards to be used on both sides of you i, I think i covered all the ground basics on that and uh some pull-out bags pull-out bags have been around with a lot of companies i use them and i figured like might as well throw them on the website some other people's ask for, ask for them they're great to keep your stuff organized your kill kits your medics your food your calls it's just instead of just dumping everything into your backpack, you could have some organizational skills, you know. Those pull-out bags, what are those? Are those from the same Cordura fabric, or are those different? Those, those are ripstop. They're the same material that's uh, made from, like, the hammocks. So okay, they cool. they up to be next to nothing. They're super lightweight. And awesome. I do them in, like, a water repellent. Yep. And a non-water repellent. Yeah, for any backpackers out there, that is absolutely key for, yeah, you know, money. all like, sorts of uh, organizing. I wish I knew about these things when I was younger, you know. <laughs> yep. Money. Um, and I'm trying to do some prototype work with game bags because I don't have the luxury of dragging a deer through my condo lobby. I would like to do that one day and hang it off my balcony and make the news so you guys could all text me and say, go, way to go. 100%. But... <laughs> I'll back you absolutely to the moon. There's nothing wrong with it. It's legal. <laughs> and if I, to add to the laughter of it, there's times where I've walked through my lobby with like full geese and garbage bags and then after I you know, took out the meat and everything. I'll just dump those carcasses down the garbage chute. And I always <laughs> giggle thinking, you know, the, the super is going to see it when he's taking out the bin. It's not but in the contract. It's, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I think you covered a lot of the bases there, Paul. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Climbing sticks. Here's a wicked hack for you guys and for your platforms. 
get rid of the buckles that come with it in the straps. Get yourself some Dyneema. Make yourself either a whoopee sling or daisy chain or splice die and you do a half hitch. It is so much lighter, so much just quiet, less metal. The less noise you can make climbing, the better. Um, getting up a tree, uh, it just helps. It's just easy taking them off. So that, that, that's one of the big tips I like to share with people. Uh, hit me up. I'll send you a video that shows you both. Is that you can just give me an mm-hmm or a no? Is that something we could see in the future? No, no. <laughs> it, it's a very easy thing anyone could do. Just sit in front of the TV and make them yourself. Uh, they're not expensive. The material, you can get it at Maple Leaf Ropes. You hit me up and I'll tell you what to use. Um, and if you look on YouTube, so many videos on splicing Dyneema. In the States, they call it Amsteel. It's all the same stuff. Okay. It's different, you know, proprietary uh, ingredients. But it's basically a super, super, super strong plastic. It's what your bridge is made out of, actually. Yep. Right? So, um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, what else do you got for me? that that's just about it for me man like it's 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 a very i kind of think it now that i know it, it's black and white um it, it's so much easier comfort level is definitely 100 percent more comfortable my biggest drawback for tree stand hunting was you know once that rut kicks in and i'm on like the sixth hour of sitting up there I don't know if I want to sit or stand or just hang out the damn tree because I'm so uncomfortable and I've been up and down so many times that I just don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, it's, and that's the other thing. Uh, tree stands for climbers, they creak a lot. They make noise, right? Yeah. Um, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with making noise in the wood as long as it's like wood noises. So if you break a branch or you ruffle some bushes, like there's raccoons, there's squirrels, everything makes noise up there, right? It's yep. when you're making that metal noise, those creaky noises that are not you know, common, then they became, you know, deer become aware. Um, what else can I say? I, I just think there's always a, a way that you can better yourself. Um, sometimes that does come at a price, sometimes not. Um, but I was in the field of looking for a better method and I, I couldn't be more pumped that uh, Bryce was like, here, you got to try the saddle out. And, you know, I'd seen them going around lots and thought, well, can't knock it till you try it. And really, I, I, I am glad I did try it. Yeah, and, and if you're, like, close to the downtown and you want to come pick it up, like, I could try to arrange that we meet up and I give you a little crash course <laughs> on it. Um, I, I'm meeting up with a, a kid tomorrow. Not a kid, sorry. A guy tomorrow. Um, and we're going to go through, you know, how I do my thing. I let him try out, you know, my stuff um, with his saddle that he's buying and just show him some tips and tricks. Um, how long is your podcast? Because I can go on for a little bit longer if you want. Absolutely. Give her, man. Um, so, tips, I guess. You know, pick, pick your strong side. We already covered that. Um, when you're up there, don't be afraid to move around. You know, you can go as high, high as you want. Um, a big thing people are concerned with is, uh, I guess, branches. So, as you climb a tree, you have your lineman's belt attached. When you get to a branch, you take out your tether you know, attach it above the branch, attach it to your saddle, your bridge, and now you're locked in again. So now you could take off your linemans, climb up a step or two, and reattach our linemans above your branch. So branches are not a problem. I tend to choose trees that are as wide as, I like to say, a cantaloupe, and that's like, eh, depends on the tree. 
to my arms getting around it and I can touch it. You, you don't really want to go up monster with trees. There's no point. You know, the sticks won't sit right, the platform won't sit right, and you're not carrying like lengths and lengths of rope to get around that. When it comes to the thinner trees, don't be brave. If you want to, that's up to you. You know, you do your own thing. But uh, I've been up by uh, those, uh, you know, those, uh, I guess, pine trees that you see the clear cuts that they replant them and they're all in rows. Yep. I, I've, I've swung around those like I was on a noodle rod on a windy day. <laughs> you know, it gets you a little nervous. But you got to be careful with that. You know, there's times I've gone up a tree and I hear a creak and I'll climb back down or I'll go up another tree. Um, it takes me about 10 minutes to get up a tree going casual. It might take you a little bit longer at first until you fine tune your climbing method. You know, um, get there earlier. You know, it's not like it's a lot of work. I climb slowly. I get dressed at the tree. I put on my bibs at the tree. I put my saddle on on the tree. Um, what else do I do? I do? Oh, layer your dump pouch um, in your when you're climbing. So that means you have a dump pouch that hangs on the back of your saddle. Yep. That stores your ropes, your daisy chain, your gear rope to pull things up. Anything you have in there, layer it in the way you're going to use it to climb the tree. And then put everything back the same way so you're always set up. That makes sense. So I climb with three sticks that are 20 inches each, and I have three aiders. So my first thing would be, my top layer would be the aiders, because I'm going to hit those first. And near the bottom will be my tether and my daisy. Right? Yep. Um, when you're up there, it's nice to adjust your daisy chain to a higher level. So when you have stuff hanging, you're not reaching too low, you're not reaching too high. I like to hang my bow off a loop that's attached to my bow. Continuous loop is short onto a hook. I don't like to use hate off a of can. So that's just me. Um, I use Amazon to buy those hooks. They're S carabiners. They're cheap. I like to take off one of the clips and I have and wrap them with uh, hockey tape. So you nice have less noise. Yep. Right. Uh, do not, do not, do not, do not put any tape, camel, or anything to make it less visible on your devices that keep you locked and safe. If you toy with those, then they won't work right. Hence, you might kill yourself. Well, you won't, but you'll just get to the stop or not if you do that properly. But don't mess with those. Yep. Um, they're meant to save your life, so no deer is going to care that you got a bit of blue up in a tree 25 feet up. Yep. Um... What else? Uh, what tips have I told you that I forgot to bring up? There's, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I can go uh, back through here, uh, but like... Yeah, plastic, plastic carabiners are good. I use those yep. in my bag. Anywhere I can, like, in the load of less metal. Yeah, I was going to say, even your local, um, like if you've got a mech near you, I know there's one in London. Um, I grabbed just some S-hooks, um, and they've got like a, a two-way spring. Um, you can yeah. just peel one of the springs out, and then, yeah, you can hang your bag or whatever it is if that's that's the route you're going to go. Mm -hmm. um, packaging uh, extra carabiners, that's that's ideal. Yeah, and I include a couple cords to your prosthetics, so those will get you locked in, ready to go, and then you might upgrade to those devices. But they're always good to have, so... You know, you could always, your lineman's rope, if you get to a tree that's really thick at the beginning, but you know when you get further up, it's going to thin out, and you need an extra foot, attach that to your to your lineman's. You know, they'll extend it another foot or two, right? Yep. Um, this is a style, like, there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way to do the safety part of it. The rest of it is 
this could be better for you, more efficient. But at the end of the day, it's you fine-tune your system the way you like to, what works for you. Not everyone likes the same hockey stick. Not everyone likes the same golf club. But at the end of the day, they do the same job, right? Yep. So watch some videos, but don't get caught up on it. Keep it simple. Just have an idea what the premise is, and then you'll probably be sending me a message like, hey, man, I figured out this hack. You know? Oh, great. As long as you're tied in properly and all that part of the climbing and the tied in part is safe, have fun. Um, be careful with your broadheads, with the ropes, obviously, and with your bridge. Uh, there was a video out there. A guy was attacking his bridge with a broadhead, and it that Dyneema is super strong. Oh. It's tough. But the ropes, be careful with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a recipe for disaster right there. Yeah. And, and don't forget, you have, if you ever get stuck, you always have the extra rope that if you ever have that problem where you're pinching your legs and you're in that situation, uh, you're hanging by your tether, well, guess what? You have uh, a lineman's rope on you. Take that out and fasten it to be a loop for your shoe and hook that into your carabiner, and now you have a relief. Um, what we were talking about earlier, how tree stand harnesses don't have a continuous loop relief system. Yep. Um, what about the adjustment points on your loops oh, on the actual saddle? I'm glad you brought that up. Awesome. Okay. So, look at the saddle as a swing. When you sit in a kid's swing, you're going to feel hip pinch. When you sit in a larger swing, you don't feel it, right? So, that's kind of where the comfort aspect of, say, go bigger or smaller. But, on top of that, there's a few points of connection. You have the bridge loops. And I kind of put, which holds the bridge, that Dyneema bridge. I kind of have them pre-adjusted to the upper part of it, about a quarter down. You might want to fine-tune that to you because everyone's different, but it seems to work with my saddles. The higher you go, the more pressure on your back. The lower you go, the more pressure on your legs. Um, the length of your bridge, that'll affect how comfortable your saddle is or for you, right? So you have to adjust that and find your sweet spot. What did I say to you the other day? I think I, I give it about a fist to two fists. Yeah, two fist lengths. Uh, for tail. Out. Yep. That, that seems to work for me. I like a little bit there so I can be able to twist in the saddle to have a shot behind me. Um, the the length of your tether, and I was going to bring that in earlier, but I forgot about that. Um, that adjustment, you'll do a lot, so that's why I recommend one of the locking devices. But that will affect your saddle a little bit because you'll go from that lean position where it's really short to more of a sit-down position and you lean into the tree. And I just basically hug the trees. Like, you can use knee pads, get them on Amazon cheap. Uh, they're paintball knee pads, but I just now hug the tree or sit sideways on the tree. And then I'll just kind of hug the rope and just take naps. Um, <laughs> I noticed there's a lot of napping here with buddy, you here. when you don't sleep, <laughs> it happens, right? Yeah. And that's why I get mad at my friends who don't wear harnesses and tree stands because you head bob up there right oh absolutely you do yeah um the height of your tether should be around your nose to your eyes area just your face that seems to work uh and then you play with it to see what you like the tether itself the way you put it on the tree you have a loop and it hold, and a rope comes through it so you'll notice that if you do it one way or the other way it's going to control the way you swing on a tree so you got to figure out how you want to swing on a tree from left to right for you and you're going to notice when it's not under load it might slip so 
I recommend within that loop to make a girth hitch and slide it, slide your rope through. That'll prevent it from sliding when it's under load or off load. Uh, when you're using your one stick rope, you just have a D link and that basically will slide on you. So you can use anything from um, a gear tie, and I recommend getting some gear ties too for your saddle, just so when you're, you're climbing sticks, you can attach them too. Yep. Um, that you can wrap that around the front of the rope. You can take a clothespin or those dollar store clips for potato chip bags just to prevent that rope from sliding. Uh, Steve imports, uh, I can't remember who they're called, but they make, um, what do you call it, 3D printed kind of rubbery clip, and they're pretty nice. The thing is you have to make sure is your, your gear rope that you pull your gear up with, you got to clip onto your, to the little loop before you come down. So then this way you could undo, when you pull on it, you could undo that clip that prevents your rope from sliding, but also be able to pull your rope down off the tree. Yep. If you don't do that, you're going to be going back up to yep. redo it and come down. And it's kind of a pain in the cold, but um, I think that's about it. I'm sure there's more missing. I know. As soon as we get off of this, you'll you'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot this. It's always the case. Which is great. And honestly, man, like I I have the utmost respect that one, I I got to buy local and two, like you're just there to respond to any of the questions I do have because I I have a lot of them. I, you know, once I get on something, I just, I'm a bit of a nut about it. I just, I want to learn and I want to know so that I can tell other people as well. But that's, uh, that's what you get when you get to buy local too. Yeah, it's just, I, I like to be able to help people as much as possible, like I said, and, you know, just reach out, ask questions. I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible, and I'm pretty good at that. Um, either Facebook, Instagram, or email, and all that could be, you know, ca or steeninggear at one of the Facebook or Instagram pages. And, and just go through the pictures so you can see some of my stuff, and then watch some YouTube videos, and then bounce back and be like, oh, I see what that's for now, or, okay, I see what he's using that for. Um, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. And if you have buddies that are into it, ask them questions. You know, I always recommend practicing at the ground first and then go up little by little, especially with the devices, so you get a feel for them and understand the safety aspect and the unsafe way of doing stuff. And also put yourself in dodgy situations on the ground so you know how to get out of them, right? Last thing you want is be stranded up in a tree and you're like, oh, how do I solve this now? That's a good piece of advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, bouncing all over the place. Yeah. When does this air, by the way? Uh, this will air probably, probably after I fill my belly with some food and uh, go through it, and probably okay, by the morning the it should be that up there. Be yeah, definitely the up, but yes, absolutely by the weekend. Well, then, good luck to everyone going out. I hope it's successful for you. I know I'll be out in the woods, so if I don't get back to you. Um, I apologize. I have a contest going on that if you scroll through maybe two or three past posts to win either a field quiver or a three pack of the non-coated dump pouches or, sorry, pullouts or three pack of the coated pullouts. So it ends the end of the month at midnight in Ontario. I'll try to do the winners this weekend, but I'm deer hunting. <laughs> I do not blame you there. I'll post those up to my story as well for uh, for people that want to jump in on that. 
yeah, it's just, you know, like, follow, take two friends. Buy um, local. Appreciate all the support. I figured it's like, you know, give something back for all the support I've been getting. Yeah. No, it's awesome, man. I appreciate you jumping on here with me, and you will certainly be hearing from me as uh, as the season goes on. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, for I don't know if you uh, get viewers or listeners out east. I think I'll be heading to Nova Scotia in middle of October and to look out for posts on that because if I do get out there, I'll bring some gear with me to sell and do some demo days with a buddy of mine, Dave Hartland. Great dude. Uh, he's a guide out there and a guide in Newfoundland, ranging from fly fishing to moose. And I think he still does caribou if it's still out there. And deer as well. That's wild. Yeah. So lots of things going on, I guess. That's awesome. Follow Steeny Gear, Instagram, Facebook, and grab yourself a saddle today, folks. I'm telling yeah. you, it's way more comfortable. And you can go anywhere in the woods. Okay, Paul, we're going to wrap her up there. And happy hunting to you. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. And same to you and everybody else. Thanks okay. for having me on. Probably the best method of hunting. It's out there. Also, stay tuned. Whitetail Wednesday is back for 2022. Should be a good season. We've got a couple of people that are going to be weekly hosts. And if you're looking to get on, want to talk about the deer activity, the rut activity in your area, help share some tips and tricks, shoot me a DM via Instagram, Facebook, even an email. And I'd be happy to share your story and we'll get you on the air. Until next time. Best of luck out there this weekend, October 1st, Ontario deer season kicking off. We'll see you guys.